You're listening to Points Talk with the Travel Mom Squad, previously known as the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Follow the links in the show notes to stay up to date with what the Travel Mom Squad has been up to. In today's episode, we're going to share with you what our favorite kinds of points are and why we think you'll love them too. Then we'll discuss the cards we never plan to open. Some may surprise you. Welcome to the Travel Hacking Mom Show. We are three moms who've discovered how to leverage credit card welcome offers to get hundreds of thousands of dollars in travel expenses for nearly free. We've used credit card points and miles to take vacations to places like Hawaii, Paris, Greece, the Maldives, Italy, and so much more. And the best part? We each still have an 800 plus credit score. Imagine being able to book a vacation without having to check your bank account. It's totally possible and we're here to show you how. Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Pam, Alex's mom. And I'm Jess. We are Travel Hacking Moms. Today, we're going to discuss the difference between points and miles and why they aren't all created equal. We'll also dive into why we prefer flexible points over fixed points and why those are the ones we think that you should focus on most. So I'm going to kick it off with a question that we get a lot, and that is, what is the difference between points and miles? And I'm just going to go out and say it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But they are basically the same thing. So when we refer to points, most of the time we, we are referring to either bank rewards programs or hotels. So hotels use points. Most banks use points. It gets kind of tricky because Capital One Venture uses miles. So they make things a little bit tricky. And then Southwest Airlines uses points, but otherwise it's mostly banks and hotels use points and mostly airlines use miles. That's what we're referring to. Like I said, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, They're basically the same thing and sometimes we use them interchangeably. So that's the deal with that. Do y'all have anything to add to that? Did I cover it all? I totally use them interchangeably. I get them mixed up all the time. So, you know, all of you out there, listeners, don't worry about it. Points and miles just means free something, and we're all good with it. It means free travel. That's all you need to know. Exactly. So we're going to talk a little bit about the difference between flexible points and fixed points. So flexible, as the name suggests, means that they're very flexible points. You have a lot more ways that you can use these points. So these points can be transferred to various airline and hotel partners, and they're so much more valuable because you're not locked into just one program. So for example, if you open up the Chase Sapphire Preferred, you can transfer those points to their partners like Hyatt, United, or Southwest, and many, many more. That's just a few of our favorite ones. But so what that basically means is your Chase Sapphire Preferred card is effectively a Hyatt card a United card, and a Southwest card all rolled into one. So the flexibility there, like just, it literally can't be beat. They are our absolute favorite cards. So the other types of cards that you have are fixed point, fixed points cards. So with these cards, you are limited by that particular hotel or airline whose card you have. So for example, if you have a Southwest card, you're just going to be redeeming those points for Southwest flights through the Southwest website. If you have a Hyatt card, you're only going to be using your Hyatt points to book Hyatt hotel stays. So you're locked in. So the reason why we don't love this as much 
is if you're going to book a book a flight, you go online. Let's say you only have United miles. You look up at that flight and you're like, oh, geez, like the United flight options are terrible or there are tons of points or maybe United doesn't even have availability. You're kind of stuck and that's your only option. But if you have flexible points, you can look at all the other airlines that that bank partner like, you know, your Chase Ultimate Rewards transfer to and have so much more selection if like your preferred airline doesn't work out. And I think there's just a lot of confusion about this in general. And I totally get it. Like we've been doing this for a long time, so we have it down pretty well. I still don't know by heart every single transfer partner of every single bank. I still have to refer back to our little cheat sheet pretty often. But there's just a lot of confusion about this because I think people hear, you know, Chase transfers to Southwest and Hyatt. And so people will message me and say, well, how do I transfer from Southwest to Hyatt since they're both Chase transfer partners? And I'm like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. It's a one-way street. Like you can transfer from the bank to the airline or the hotel, but you can't you can't transfer the other way. You cannot transfer from from Southwest to Chase. You can't transfer from Hyatt to Chase. You can't transfer from Southwest to Hyatt. You know, it's just Chase is the top of the pyramid and the other ones are the bottom and it only goes one way. So that's just something to keep in mind also. One of the things that I really like about the flexible cards too, like we've talked about, is their versatility. But, and I use most of my Chase Ultimate Rewards for Hyatt hotel stays. We've talked before about how we love Hyatt hotels, how they have, you get such a good value for them. You can use far fewer points to stay at a Hyatt hotel than say if you're using points for a Marriott hotel. And the really interesting thing is that the Hyatt um, cards, which are fixed card, the sign-up bonuses on them isn't the greatest. But right. yet, so you're going to get, you know, 30,000 points for signing up for one of those cards. But you can sign up for a flexible card like the Chase Sapphire Preferred, which you can transfer to Hyatt points, and you're going to get 60,000 points. You're going to get twice as, mon- as many Chase Ultimate Rewards that you can use for Hyatt stays. And so that's huge to me. And that is one of the things that I love about the flexible um, cards. Yeah. And it's funny because people will often ask me or ask us, I feel like a lot about Hyatt because they know that we're obsessed with Hyatt. And I tell them like, I don't rack up most of my Hyatt points with Hyatt cards. I rack up most of my Hyatt points with Chase cards that earn ultimate rewards points. I think that's the case for all of us. And so that's just something to keep in mind. Like we do all have the Hyatt card, but it's not necessary to have to get great value out of Hyatt stays. Yeah, and it's not a card that we're using for everyday spend to continue to earn points to transfer to Hyatt or to use for Hyatt hotel stays. We pretty much just keep that card because it comes with a free night every year. And the only time I'm actually using my Hyatt card is if I'm staying at a Hyatt hotel and I'm going to charge, you know, incidentals or food and different things like that to my Hyatt card. Exactly. Exactly. I would, I am, totally after all the Chase Ultimate rewards I can get, but I use them mainly for Hyatt stays. But it is really great because sometimes 
maybe I'm going to book something on United. I live a, near a United hub, so I do have a United card. It makes perfect sense for me to have a fixed point card in that case. But if I don't have enough points for a trip, I could then use my Chase Sapphire Preferred and transfer a few points over to United so I have enough to book that flight. So, you know, they work well together sometimes too. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the Chase Ultimate Rewards, but in addition to those, you also have Capital One Venture Miles, American Express Membership Rewards, and City Thank You Points. So all of those are flexible points with different airlines and hotels that you can transfer those points to. So we do recommend that you focus on collecting flexible points and miles because of that flexibility, especially if you don't know what your travel plans are. We also, there is a time and a place for those fixed value point cards. For example, if I know I'm going to book a flight on United, I looked up my, like the vacation I want to take. I know that's the, the airline that offers the best route. I'm going to open a United card. That way I can save my flexible points, my Chase Ultimate Rewards for something else and use those United points for that. So we do love those fixed value points, um, your co-branded cards like your Southwest card, your Hyatt, your Marriott, Delta, all of those, but they're just not as flexible. So we really prioritize the flexible points. And I think a good rule of thumb that I try to tell people is if you're considering opening a fixed points co-branded card, I think it's best to have an idea of how you would use those points in the next year. And if you cannot think of a way that you would use them, if you don't have any plans for those, then I think that it's worth passing on that card. A lot of the co-branded cards will have increased offers that come and go. You know, it's not, it's usually not like, okay, the Delta cards are increased right now and they're never going to increase again. Like, the Delta cards, the Marriott cards, the Hilton cards, the United cards, I feel like those are regularly increasing and decreasing. And, you know, so if you don't get yeah. it right now, it's not like you're going to miss out forever, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. I feel like those cards usually go up maybe two or three times a year, probably closer to three times a year, I would say. And so if you're looking and you're like, I want to get a United card, but the offer on the card is like 50,000 points, then I'd wait. And just wait till they bump that up to like 60000 Exactly. You know, and sometimes I think it's also important. Sometimes a fixed card is going to work for you. And maybe it's not going to work for someone else. For instance, if you are a lover of Hilton Hotels, that is your favorite brand of hotels. Maybe that works for you. It's not the best value. We will all agree on that. But if you love it, you know, be you. Go ahead, get it. I would say that anybody who lives near an airport that has a particular, is a hub for a particular airline, for me, it's um, United. I think it's the same for you too, Jess, isn't it? Isn't yeah. that a United hub? Alex lives near um, Salt Lake City is her airport. So Delta is a, uh, it's, has a hub there. So if you live near a particular airport, maybe you want to get that particular credit card. I know that it's worked for me. I've had my uh, United card for forever. I have no plans to get rid of it. One of the things we want to address today is that not all points are created equal. Flexible points actually offer a lot more value than 
than fixed points in most um, instances. For instance, you might get an offer for 100,000 Hilton points, and that sounds amazing. That sounds like I'm going to be able to do so much with that. But you also might get an offer for 100,000 Chase Ultimate Reward points, and you might think, okay, these are pretty similar, and I love Hilton. I'm going to go for that. Well, those 100,000 Hilton points are going to get you about one and a half nights in Hawaii. That's okay. But that 100,000 Chase Ultimate Reward points transferred to Hyatt would get you four nights in Hawaii. So you can see right there that the points just aren't created equally. And so it's important for you to look at that and to determine what is the best deal. There was a recent offer, I think it was like 130 or 150,000 Hilton points. And we got so many DMs from people saying, oh my gosh, I just got this offer. Do you think I should apply for it? And I just wanted to be like, you know, 130,000 Hilton points will get you like one hotel night, right? Um, I just think people don't, people see like six figure points totals and they think like, this is the best deal ever. But like you said, it's really going to vary by the program. And if that were 100,000 chase points, I would say, heck yeah, go for it. You need to open that right now. But because it's Hilton, you know, I said the thing where I said, do you have any Hilton stays in mind coming up? Do you know where you would use these? And they said no. And so I just said, I personally would not bother opening that card right now. I don't think it's worth it. So yeah, like we've said, just something to keep in mind that just because something says 100,000 or 150,000 doesn't necessarily mean it is a card that's right for you or that it's a card worth opening. I think too, what would be like a good rule of thumb along with your idea of how it, do you have a way that you would use those points in the next year would also be to actually look and see how you could redeem those points. So if you go to Hilton, you make a Hilton account. I don't even think you need a Hilton account to search for awards days, actually. You can go on their website and put in some places maybe you'd be interested in traveling. They actually have on their website, it's called the Points Explorer tool, where you can put in, like, let's say you want to go to Hawaii. It would show you all the hotels in Hawaii, and this is about how many points each hotel would cost you. So you can get an idea of how far those 100,000 or 130,000, 150,000 Hilton points would go. And I'd recommend you do the same thing for other co-branded cards. Like if you're thinking of opening a Delta card, you could look up the, let's say you want to go to Florida from Salt Lake, and you're like, okay, how much are those flights in the month that I think I might want to travel to give yourself an idea? The tricky thing is pricing fluctuates a ton. But it'll just give you an idea of, okay, maybe these points don't go as far as I thought. Or, okay, great, these points could go really far. And that can kind of help you gauge what you can get out of those points instead of just blindly applying for the card and hoping that it's going to get you the entire vacation that you're hoping that it will. And, and Google is your best friend. Like, I still Google all the time sweet spots for current offers. Like, if there's an offer on a card, on an airline card, so I'll Google like Alaska Airlines sweet spots and just kind of see like what the possibilities are with certain airlines because I don't have all this. Like I said, we're we're still learning. You know, we don't have everything memorized. We don't have every single route sweet spot for every single program memorized. And so I've you know, I've been doing this for eight years and I'll still Google to just see like what where these points can take me and sort of give me an idea of what kind of trips I can take. 
I think one of these um, that always sounds really good is Delta. And Delta for international travel, historically, you may have a lot of Delta points and then have a lot of trouble trying to book a really good redemption. It's not great to use for international flights. And so you want to kind of think these things out. And it's really hard at the beginning. I think it takes a lot of time. So those of you that are listening, you know, reach out to us. You know, we're here for you. If you th- you're trying to decide between a card and you think that this sounds like a really good deal, but you're just not sure, reach out to us in a credit card consult. We're happy to um, give you some of our expertise in that matter. To go along with what you were saying about Delta, I have found in my own circumstances, I live in Salt Lake and I I have had a Delta card. I currently don't. Planning on applying one for for one soon, but I have found in my searches that it is so like you were saying so expensive to take an international flight on Delta. Now there are flash sales where they can have some really good pricing, but that's just dependent on if that happens to be when you travel or you happen to see the flash sale. So you're kind of at their mercy a little bit with that. So what I tend to do is if I'm flying international, a lot of times I'll book my flights through Air France who is also partners with Delta. They're in the same alliance and they're part of the Sky Sky Team Alliance. And so I will book through Air France and sometimes will actually be flying on a Delta plane. I did that coming home from Paris where I flew from Paris to Salt Lake City on a Delta plane, but I booked it through Air France. So it was so much cheaper. So that's just another little tip. If you are like me and you are at a Delta hub and you do not want to pay Delta's insane prices, like it was, at, I think it was like three times more miles to book it through Delta. No, it's insane through, through Delta. And I have found a flash sale once through going to London that was really a good deal. But that's one time. And I look quite often because I have a lot of American Express points, which is a flexible currency that I can mm-hmm. transfer to Delta. So it's something I look at. And I just don't find it. So it, so it's it's a little tougher. So that's one of the ways that all points are not created equal. And you need to be aware of that. You know, when you were saying that, Mom, it got me thinking. I don't know if we addressed this yet or not. So if we already said this, I apologize. You're going to hear it again. But with earning points, like if you want to earn Delta miles, for example, if your hope is to, I'm going to open up the Delta card and I'm going to use my Delta card for all of my spending and rack up tons of Delta miles. You will actually earn more Delta miles if you put all of that spending on your American Express gold card that earns membership rewards. Now, I know that's kind of confusing because Delta has a Delta gold card. And then there's the American Express gold card, but they're two different cards. One earns Delta Sky miles. One earns membership rewards. And the membership rewards can transfer to Delta. So that's something to keep in mind. Like we were saying earlier with Hyatt, we earn our Hyatt points on our Chase Ultimate Rewards cards because they earn more points on our everyday purchases than a Hyatt card does. So if you're looking, if you have a particular airline hotel that you love, look at their transfer partner and see if maybe using that card could earn you more points than the airline card does. So I thought it would be kind of fun if we all went around and gave an example of a co-branded card that we wouldn't open, even if it had an amazing sign up bonus. I think we're all fans of the flexible cards. I think all three of us have all the main 
flexible cards like the Chase Sapphire Preferred and the Amex Gold and the Capital One Venture X. But I know we don't all have the same co-branded cards. So I'm going to go first. And this I don't mean for this to be the pick on Delta show. I truly just do not have any Delta cards and do not really plan to ever open any Delta cards. Because like Pam said, I live in a United hub. I have, I think I have flown Delta once in my entire life. And it's not because I have anything against Delta. They just don't have a huge presence in Houston. And so even if the Delta cards had an amazing welcome offer, highest points offer ever, I probably would still never open a Delta card because I just don't have any use for Delta miles. And like Alex was saying, the one time I flew Delta, We flew to New York from Houston on Delta, and I transferred points from Amex to Delta for those flights. They had a sale. They had a flash sale. So that's why I got them. And I was able to just transfer those points from Amex, didn't need a Delta card. And so Delta is my choice for a card that I probably won't ever open. What about you, Alec? Poor Delta's getting slammed to death. And guys, I was going to say, though, in favor of Delta, <laughs> to give them some good love, is flying them is really good. I mm-hmm. fly them, like, so if I'm, like, flying somewhere and there's, if it's just me flying, sometimes I will find a cheap cash ticket. Um, and, or, like, when we went to Cancun, the three of us went there, I, I, I used points for, I bought, I did one-way flight. So I bought one flight with points and then I paid cash for the other. And it's a fantastic airline to fly. Like, great customer service. They're a really wonderful airline. It's just their points program isn't fantastic. I will say I'm hoping it maybe will be a little bit better. Now they have a um, benefit where if you're a Delta card holder, you get 15% off your award flight. So fingers crossed that that will be good because for me, flying Delta is super convenient because there's more direct flights out of Salt Lake. So I'm hoping that that will be good for us. And also, Delta is giving free Wi-Fi now, too. So that's another perk. And I do fly them quite often, but I just don't use points and miles. And I fly them because when I go visit Alex and her cute little boys, I like to use my Amex card to go to the um, Delta Sky Club. But the only way I can do that is if I'm on a Delta flight. And so I will just get a really cheap flight so I can go into that lounge, the air lounge geek that I am. And I do like them. They're great. But again, I just don't find a lot of use for using the miles. No, I wish I could fly them more. They have free Wi-Fi now and they have Peloton, like meditations and stuff on flights now. So I wish I could fly them more, but I just don't, I just don't have a use for it. Yeah, my plan is to get the Delta um, Platinum card, and that comes with a companion certificate. Nowhere near as good as the Southwest one. Like, it's it has a higher annual fee card, but I can use it for one person, one time every year on a domestic flight. That's you know co- a continental domestic flight. So it's it's something that I'm going to do and keep just because Delta is such a presence here for me, but it doesn't make sense for everybody. And you're getting the business card, right? Yes, I'm going to get the business card because I don't want it to count towards my 524. So, okay, this was a hard question for me because I don't want to say never because I, you know, eventually you never know. I might want to get it. 
But first of all, the card that first came to mind was the Frontier card. I have no plans to ever get a Frontier card. There's like, I think the only direct flight from Salt Lake is probably to Denver. And there's plenty of other airlines I can fly to Denver. I don't like how I then have to buy my seat and I have to buy like carry on or just there's just a lot of upcharging that I am not a fan of. But I'm going to say a different card. I guess I'm like giving two answers for this question. I have not opened a Hilton card and I'm not and I but I do plan to open a Hilton card eventually. I'm just waiting till I have a specific redemption in mind because I'll be focusing on a luxury Hilton stay because I feel like that's where you can get the most value out of your Hilton points. If I'm using them for like a mid-tier hotel, I'd much prefer to stay at a Hyatt because it'll just cost me so, so, so many less points than a Hilton stay would. Yeah. And even those luxury properties are way more expensive than a Hyatt luxury property. But I can be, but it's like that aspirational thing of like, oh, I'm staying at this place. That's amazing. And I would never, ever be able to stay here unless I had Hilton points to do it. So I've just kind of been waiting until the right time comes along. Like you said, Jess, like I, I don't have a plan to use those points in the next year. So I'm not going to open a Hilton card until I'm ready and can like figure out this is a good time where I can start or when I could take a trip to one of these aspirational properties I have in mind. And then I will start opening up some Hilton cards and kind of build up those stash of points so then I can use them for a really amazing stay. Well, I did open up the Hilton cards, several of them, but I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to stay at the Conrad Bora Bora, and Alex didn't have to open up a Hilton card because I invited her to go with me. <laughs> so oh. it was an aspirational stay, and there was a, a method, a reason for my madness in doing that, and it was, it was phenomenal. Yeah, so I think that's the key part, what you said there, Mom, is like you had a purpose in mind. I don't, unless you're an avid Hilton hotel person, I don't really think, I personally am not opening up Hilton cards until I have a particular stay in mind. I'm saving it for that. Also, these are American Express cards. And with American Express, they do have a once per lifetime rule. That once per lifetime rule is more like every seven years type of rule, but I would highly recommend you wait until there's good bonuses on Amex cards before you open them and you have an idea in mind because you're not going to be able to get that bonus on that card for a very long time. So that's kind of what I've been waiting for, too. And we were the same way. Like me and my husband have had the Hilton cards in the past, but we got them because we had a specific redemption in mind. We stayed at the Hilton in Edinburgh, Scotland, and it was great. The location was amazing, but I knew that that's what I wanted to use the points for. I also feel like if you have a player two, it makes a lot of sense to open co-branded cards around the same time so that you, especially with a program like Hilton, where it takes so many points to get a stay, that's what we did. Like we each opened the Hilton card and then we had double the amount of points that we were able to combine and use for the same stay. Yeah. And Hilton's nice because they let you combine your points yeah. with people too. It, exactly. And that's what I did for Bora Bora. You know, we wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't had player two, my husband, you know, sign up for the cards also. Okay. Well, I thought this was a funny question because as being a little OCD and also when I started, the 5 and 24 rule wasn't as strict. There were a lot of cards that didn't fall under 5 and 24. So those who started five plus years ago, 
we were able to get a lot of cards that uh, did count against our 5 and 24 status. And that made me just get all kinds of random cards. And so I thought I had to think long and hard about what card I probably would get because I've gotten most of them. But I decided that I probably will never get the JetBlue credit card just because there isn't a huge presence here from um, Denver. It isn't one that I'm going to really use. And so I can also use some of my flexible points um, to transfer into JetBlue if I ever need to fly JetBlue, kind of like what just said about uh, needing to fly into Delta. You can use those flexible points to transfer to that airline. Mom, I am going to tell you something, and I think that you're going to be like, oh, never mind. I'm opening a JetBlue card. <laughs> Why? Are you ready? <laughs> you want to fly JetBlue Mint. I do. And so I know you're going to want to open up a JetBlue card so you can fly direct from, I think it's LA. I don't know if it's at the JFK or not, but from New York to London to visit your, my sister. So I won't be surprised if you eventually open that because in my mind, if you know you're going to fly the route and you know you're going to use those points, I'd rather open the card than use my transferable points so I can save those transferable points for something else. So when you're, gonna be using a big, when you're going to be using a big chunk of them and you know you're going to do that. So obviously I don't think you'll do it anytime soon, but I won't be surprised if someday you do because Pam loves trying out those business class seats. So she's going to want to try out JetBlue Mint. You're right. I probably uh, will. Take it all back. <laughs> I actually opened the JetBlue business card for the first time last year. And again, it was purely because I had a plan for them. Um, we are flying to Italy on Emirates out of JFK. And JetBlue is the only airline that has a nonstop flight from Houston to JFK. Most of the flights like United are to LaGuardia. And so JetBlue is the only airline that has an option from Houston to JFK. So I opened the JetBlue business card. It didn't count. It did not count against my 524. And then I used those points to book our flights from Houston to JFK. Thanks, Jess, for that. That I will open up the business. That's my hardest thing is it's really difficult to open up a personal card yeah. that is going to take a 5 and 24 spot. But a business card, I open them up all the time. So. Yeah, I think we're all the same in that, like, it's really hard for us to open a co-branded card that's going to count against 524 unless there's, like, an amazing offer on a card that we know, you know, that on a program that we're loyal to. Otherwise, I agree that it's it's hard to pull the trigger on one of those. Exactly. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you can now see why we prefer flexible points and miles over fixed ones. Check out the show notes for a link to our Master Transfer Partner Cheat Sheet. This is going to help you see which banks transfer to which airlines and hotels and will be a great resource when looking to rack up and redeem points and miles. And if you're interested in any of the cards that we talked about in today's show, check out our Best Offers page, which is also linked in the show notes to sign up for any of those cards. Thanks so much for listening to the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button from wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. Want to start jet setting even faster? Follow the links in the show notes to learn about everything we discussed in today's episode. And to stay connected and follow along, follow us on Instagram at Travel Hacking Mom. 
We can't wait to see where in the world points and miles take you.